Welcome to yet another episode of today's lesson, a Nick Cave podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sean. And today we are going to be talking about a couple of weird ones in the Nick Cave uh, songography. Some odd songs out. In the ghetto, the moon is in the gutter. Sean, how are you today? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day. I've got all of my fluids in front of me, and I'm just feeling great. No complaints. <laughs> How are you? Are you okay? Yes. Actually, these are fluids that have not yet been inside me, so... Um, ah, okay. Yeah, thankfully. They will they'll be coming out later, but that'll be, that'll be in a bit. Um, yeah, how Excellent. are you doing? How's it going? I'm good. Blinds are closed. Don't really know what kind of day it is outside, um, but I've got my coffee here, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about Definitely some oddballs, oddballs yeah, today. Weird songs. I still like them, but uh, kind of, kind of off when it comes to the the standard discography. What's what is weird about them, Andrew? Uh, well, neither of these songs were released on the original "From Her to Eternity" album, but this was you know around the time they were released, so we figured we'd include them here. Um, again, they are on the CD version of the album, so. Um, and they were at this point in the track order, um, so we're just kind of slipping them in now. Um, they were released as their own single. Uh, in the Ghetto was the A-side, uh, and The Moon is in the Gutter was the B-side. And they don't really sound all that different production-wise uh, than the rest of the album. They're still produced by Flood, still the same uh, band members. Um but yeah, they they just are kind of, you know, by circumstance, sort of oddities. Oddities. However, they were the band's first. This was the band's first single. There was no single off of "From Her to Eternity" save for for this pressing, right? Correct. And it's odd. Uh, a cover is a single. He you know releases a cover as a single. He releases a cover as his first album out the gate, or his first track on his first album out the gate. Why do you think that was? Yeah, I mean, I I think he. I mean, obviously, he he really looked up to Elvis. He looked up to Leonard Cohen. Um, you know, I think, you know, we kind of talked about this with Avalanche, but I think he was trying to sort of nudge his way into the pantheon of songwriters, kind of. And I think yeah. he wanted to sort of, um, you know, even though he's got this this total goth aesthetic at this time, the music isn't really. I mean, it's dark, but it's not like goth rock like we had or would come to know it. I think he 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 wants to inhabit that sort of dark, macabre, goth stratosphere and then also make his way towards the classic songwriter mold, maybe. I don't know. That's all I can think. 
No, that that makes a lot of sense, and it is. This is a very transitory period when it comes to his his full discography. When you take into account birthday party and and everything that came before Bad Seeds, and I think that that makes a ton of sense, and that he has these idols. He he can see where he wants to be, and uh, using these songs as a as a way to get there makes a lot of sense. I think. However, why in the ghetto? I, I just did some preface for me. This is a apparently it was a very popular Elvis song at the time. But uh, this was a song that was unknown to me entirely, and I knew quite a bit of Elvis when I was a kid. Uh, unknown entirely until I heard Eric Cartman's version in South Park. Why would Nick in, <laughs> in 1984 go out and choose this as a single for his newly formed band? That's a great question. Um, I think, and this is just a theory, I, I haven't read any interviews about this. I don't know if he's done them, but I think he it might have been an intentional move to pick just about the worst fucking Elvis song you could ever <laughs> choose. Um, because he, I, I know he idolized Elvis, you know, at certain points of, of his career, he, you know, kind of tried to, to emulate him with his imagery, with his movements, um, with yeah. his, you know, performance. But I think he didn't want it to be too earnest. I think maybe he wanted a little irony to kind of, you know, maybe Offset covering Avalanche, but I don't know. No, looking at this, it, it the first time I heard it, it was dripping with irony, especially the first time I saw it, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, the music video for this. Um, and it's it's interesting to me that, you know, Cohen, listening to Avalanche, called it a butchery, but was very proud, I guess, of what Nick had done with it and said, you know, that should happen more often. This feels more like a... I don't know what to what to make of it because it's so it's so straight ahead. None of the lyrics are changed. The music is stripped away and a little more bare, but there's nothing bizarre really coming from the band. Um, and I don't. Well, know and Elvis that... famously didn't say anything about this song uh, when it was released, so I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, you know what he thought. I know it's it's kind of strange that he wouldn't have at least commented some. I wonder what he was doing at the time be interesting to hear his thoughts because it, it's just it's so much more bare it's it's weird but it's not weird in the context of this album and I, I don't know whether to take that as a sign of respect or like you're saying kind of an ironic send-up of um one of elvis's stranger almost almost psa like songs that that came out that said it was super popular at the time and so it's it's still something that i think a diehard elvis fan might look at and go oh wow he's taking you know this great hit and and remaking it I don't know. So the song was written by uh, Mac Davis, who was a country country music singer and songwriter. Um, he died late last year, actually. Um, and Elvis recorded it in 1969, which was, uh, it was in part of his first creative uh, recording session since his comeback special, um, which came after like a seven or so year stretch of uh, mostly advancing his movie career. So, you know, I like what what you're kind of saying, like, in terms of this being a transitory kind of period for for Cave as well. Yeah. Um, maybe he wanted that that comeback sort of vibe. Um, yeah. You know, if we want to look into it that deeply of why he chose it. Yeah, kind of a, a resurrection where Elvis tried to you know resurrect is kind of the same thing. Nick is is trying to resurrect himself as as something almost entirely different from what he's done up to this point. That's that's an interesting read. I like that. 
um, yeah, and like you said, by this time Elvis had all but disappeared. So, who knows? Who knows what he thought? Um, God, we're going to hell. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to the lyrics of this song, and we're not going to spend a lot of time uh, on this because it's very, it's not very ambiguous. It's 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 got a clear message. Yeah, it's um, it's just not really open for interpretation however it's it's still you know the i think the dressing uh the the storytelling aspect setting the scene um i think cave does a better job than elvis coming to build a mood for this song and so it begins you know as the snow flies on a cold and gray chicago morn a poor little baby child is born in the ghetto um we just are brought right into this scene where you know a child is is entering the world into poverty and his mother is crying. It's this dichotomy between, you know, oftentimes mothers cry at the birth of their child of joy. This is clearly a song of sadness. Um, she knows what's kind of coming for this exactly. child. Exactly. She she knows what's what's going to happen because she doesn't have money to feed the child. She's They're living in the ghetto. This is, you know, um, a life, as Cave sings about later as well, kind of marked from the beginning um, as as kind of a doomed life. And, uh, yeah, from there, there's this plea, this people, don't you understand the child needs a helping hand? And that's where kind of the PSA feeling comes for, for me is that, you know, Elvis is saying, Hey, everybody, can't you see, we need to help these, these kids. Otherwise he's going to grow up angry. He's going to grow up poor and, you know, something bad's going to happen. Are you, are you blind? Are we too blind to see? Um, do you simply turn your heads and look the other way? Of course, it's a call to action with no actionable action to be taken right away and so what what do you do listening to this song yeah it's very like it's a noble thing and and it's something that some people like they hear a song like this maybe when they're really sheltered or whatever and they go oh well shit yeah i didn't even think about that but for the most part it feels very live aid um or very uh like one of those songs where all the celebrities get together and sing some bullshit um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's that's a very um, pessimistic take on it. But it's that's the, definitely the vibe, that PSA vibe. And yeah, I mean, it's a pessimistic take. But also, when I when I look at this and look back at you know when it was made and what the aftermath was, there's zero mention of Elvis even doing anything um, after this song. And so it just kind of served as a vehicle for him um to come back onto the scene served as you know just a hit probably made a lot of money off of it and that's not to say please feel free to correct me if this is wrong anybody um but it, it did feel kind of like a hollow gesture of here's a song and this is like you said this live aid bullshit and then nothing's gonna happen and i'm gonna make a lot of money off of it bah. what are you gonna do yep. and the world turns and the hungry little boy with the runny nose plays in the streets as the cold wind blows in the ghetto his hunger burns um, so he starts from the streets at night and he learns how to steal and learns how to fight in the ghetto. So yeah, just, um, baby to, uh, childhood, adolescence, the next verse, one night in desperation, young man breaks away. So he's, he's growing each verse basically, which I think is a cool song structure, um, repetition of his mama cries, um, you know, buys a gun, steals a car, et cetera, et cetera. So then finally, kind of uh, at the end of this last verse, you know, a, a crowd gathers around an angry young man 
face down in the street with a gun in his hand. So just the cycle is complete um, for this family or this man. And then the chorus comes in again, imploring us. Please. An impassioned plea. Isn't there anything we can do? Do you simply turn your heads? Well, um. I released a song about it. <laughs> <laughs> I said it right there. I told you when he was born. <laughs> um, and then there's this outro. And as her young man dies on a cold and gray Chicago morn, another little baby child is born in the ghetto. Um, which, you know, the cycle continues, you know, one down, one rises again, probably to meet the same fate, maybe. Um, I don't think this was intentional, but you could read it as uh, a meditation on reincarnation, if you will. Mm. Um, probably not, but <laughs> it's, yeah, but you know, hey, it's yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't know how I connect that, but there will be some discussion of reincarnation in the next few minutes, so we'll see. <laughs> um, no, that's it's that's the song. It's it's the cycle of poverty. It's you know kind of calling it out and saying, "Hey, this is there. Aren't you going to do something about it?" Um, I yeah, I, like you, kind of take the cynical approach to it. I do like in the lyrics. Um, one of the only things that really stands out to me is the line, "He buys a gun and steals a car." Uh, I think is a good call out or just another fairly empty critique of society but but one that maybe wouldn't think about too much the car is the thing that you have to steal it's so expensive um you know it represents to this kid a chance to escape a chance to get away it represents to many people every day the opportunity to go to work make money get themselves out of this hole um however you know even this really poor kid can go out and buy destruction (laughs) he can go out and just purchase a gun he doesn't have to steal that that's fairly cheap get a saturday night special from the local store and um you know do whatever you want with that so i, I don't know, something a little something to think about but uh pretty light no totally i mean it, it's it's a hokey and condescending kind of song uh, but it is an observation of kind of yeah this uh this sick cyclical nature of like violence and crime kind of brought on by like a you know, racist capitalist infrastructure, you know, it's not yeah. the race of the kid isn't specified, but in the ghetto, you know, there are, um, you know, historical and present day meanings. So that could be, you know, a couple of things, but, um, so not sure why Elvis is singing it, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's well-meaning I think, and does provide a non scathing critique of capitalism and that that buys a gun steals a car point um maybe even been unintentional but your point about it still stands and i think it's a really good one yeah i I don't see it being thrown in there on purpose necessarily but uh like i said the one thing in the song that after a couple listens was like oh yeah okay it stands out yeah absolutely uh so moving on to the music uh yeah what are you what are your feelings on the music for this one yeah, no, no offense to the king. I think that Elvis, or the, I think the caves version, um, blows Elvis's out of the water. Elvis is is cool and actually uses a lot of elements that Cave would later use with the the backing vocals, and um, it's brighter. But but Cave brings this weird ethereal presence to it. He brings a, a kind of a spooky, dreamlike structure to the whole thing. I think. Um, better sets the scene you know as we've seen on this album the music plays a huge role in putting us wherever this character 
or speaker is trying to to take us and it, mm-hmm. it feels snowy it feels cold it feels misty like we're traveling through time and watching this tragedy from a distance um i think i think cave's music adds a lot to the song where the original kind of kind of fell short absolutely yeah it's it's all about the for me with the vocals it's about the delivery you know the original and the lyrics are nothing special but yeah you're right the vibe is is very much uh a bad seeds one um i love the way nick hits that you know are we that bad to see <laughs> like he just kind of like doesn't hit the note yeah and, but it still works it's just like uh, well, it's, it's starting it's early awkward, the critique but... that yeah exactly it's awkward it's starting early the critique that nick cave can't sing i that's that's died down recently but i remember when i was first getting into him there's a lot of a lot of internet chatter about the man can't hit a note and uh it just it, it does so much in this song yeah and it's almost like he'd you'd almost have to do like 50 takes to get it this way yep so it's not like i mean maybe it was just like ah eh, fuck it but <laughs> i kind of i kind of it feels intentional um yeah, as far as the instrumentation too um you know when he hits that line then one night in desperation a young man breaks away the music kind of picks up and it gets kind of um optimistic sounding almost yeah and then grinds to a halt when he fails like buys a gun steals a car tries to run but you don't get far and it kind of just lingers there and then it goes back into that sort of funeral march with the drums um you know the bass and drums have a very kind of military funeral march sort of uh style to them and uh the guitar is just kind of hovering above it almost emulating like strings or horns yeah 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 providing that kind of mist to the whole thing i think but um that march i really i really like that i didn't necessarily pick up on that but it is kind of it it demonstrates the scripted nature of this whole thing you know he starts off saying this is what's going to happen watches it happen like you said he almost breaks away and it kind of breaks and then straight back into it where it's just like nope we're still on track (laughs) here's here's what's happening yeah still caught in the cycle nope yeah, but don't want to belabor this song. It's, I I think we both really enjoy it. Um, Nick's version. Yeah, I can see why it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really fit the album. Um, but for me, the first time I heard this album or listened to it a lot, I did have the CD version. So, to me, this song belongs um, along with moon is in the gutter it belongs on the album and it seems natural to me but upon like thorough examination um like we're doing with this song it, it just doesn't doesn't really match uh, the rest of the songs yeah and for for a long time um i listened mostly on spotify for a long time this was on the spotify version um mm-hmm. and so i listened to it forever and it just was part of the album and then one day years ago spotify took it off um and now is no longer part of the album it's, it's still on there i believe as a single um without moon is in the gutter but uh no longer on there and i didn't really notice this exclusion and i i do have to say looking back the album kind of changed because having this as a midpoint really throws kind of a wrench or a speed bump into the rest of the track listing because the rest of the track listing is all over the place and this is this is really removed from it it makes sense tonally it was recorded at the same time it has a lot of the same feel and production um, so it doesn't necessarily stand out as like a, whoa, what the fuck are they doing? But um, 
if you look at the album as as a whole piece and this is right there in the middle it it really does change the whole thing and i i appreciate it with it i do like it without it well and it's an interesting choice to slip them in the middle too like normally you would yeah. throw extra songs at the end um so that that is unique in itself and then i think maybe just by the time um the cd version came out they really just wanted to maybe pad the amount of songs on it because seven songs is right on. pretty much the minimum you would have to call something an album and not an ep yeah maybe i guess um so i don't know maybe that was just part of the decision and cave didn't want them at the end uh there is a video for this song in the ghetto uh i believe it's the first nick cave and the bad seeds video um talk about this a little bit yeah, so we'd be we'd be remiss to move on without talking about the video because of everything about the song. I believe this is the standout component. Um, and yeah, I don't know of another video off of off of From Her to Eternity, so this must have been the first, and I can't think of the next. Um, but the video is it really to me calls out the the idea of not a mimicry, almost kind of like channeling something of a, a dark resurrection of Elvis for Nick, you know, trying to transfer some some of the king's power, um, but doing it in such a way that is that is fully goth, that is very, you know, <laughs> dark and, and twisted. And so the video, for those who haven't seen it, um, is pretty much two shots that switch between a close-up and a far away of, of Nick standing in a... Um, kind of like a lounge singer in a suit, uh, tuxedo, uh, on stage in a, a dimly lit, what looks like a Las Vegas dive bar with a, with a statue of the Virgin Mary behind him and a bunch of lights strung up all over the place. And he delivers this just with, with a, a weird, almost straight face with, with hints every once in a while when he really stretches for notes. Of, of putting everything he's got into it. And it fluctuates between this, he doesn't give a shit, and this giving it everything he's got uh, consistently throughout the video. Andrew, what do you what do you think about the video just overall? Yeah, that's a, a really good summation of it. Um, I was impressed by how not Elvisy it was. I thought it was going to be really referential, you know, to, to the king. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't get it at all, other than the fact that his suit that's way too tight uh is sequins um which you can kind of barely make out um yeah it's it's very this goth lounge singer aesthetic um and what i like about that and what i like about his cover here is everything we've talked about so far has been really dark and this song is dark too um but the video and the song are kind of him mixing this dark maliciousness with the goofy and that's why we like him really we like dark shit and we like goofy shit and to me this video is pretty unremarkable and i to be honest i didn't finish it um (laughs) because it was the same thing the whole time and i don't really like it but the set is really cool i don't think he's he knows really what to do in it but it looks cool and that's fine um he's just like smoking in a tight suit yeah and he takes the suit off and he he makes does a crucifixion pose at the end and (laughs) um there's all sorts of it just it feels like 
a freshman effort to make a music video in a way that is both mocking the original kind of hollow plea to everybody to you know solve some actually huge um social crisis while at the same time channeling his his idol and his hero while mocking this phase of his um his comeback well, also, there's just too much going on here. And to sum it up so I can stop rambling so much, um, it, it strikes me as the world's worst Elvis impersonator giving a really great performance, um, pretending to be like an undead Elvis. And <laughs> in that, it's just the music video when I hear this song is is what I see. And it is just the same thing all the way through. It's totally unremarkable. But that's the song i mean that's what he's doing and i think he adds enough enough um sass to it enough uh kind of leering irony to the whole to the whole thing to make it to make it worthwhile yeah if this had been the first thing i ever saw of him i probably would have taken note be like oh okay yeah this 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 song is is fine and this video is fine but together it, it does create you know a it's a look. He's serving a look. That's and right. And that look it, is famished. Somehow, adult man got into this boy's suit. Got into this boy's Doesn't suit. Doesn't fit, even though he's skinny as hell. <laughs> Singing to an empty room in a bar that looks like it's been shut down for years. <laughs> like Bizarre he's like shit. a pub at the end of the universe. That's it. Singing to no one. Singing for himself. He's here. Okay, um, yeah, we're going to take just a short break, and we will be right back with The Moon is in the Gutter, the B-side of this single. And we're back. Um, The Moon, where is it, Sean? Well, I'm looking up at the sky, It's in the gutter. Uh, Is it? Where? Where where (laughs) is the moon, Sean? Where is the moon? The moon is in the sky, and I believe it is underneath us right now since it is daytime. That's how the moon works. Uh, Wrong again. Uh, It's in the gutter, uh, according to Nick Cave. Is it? Um, That's what it says here. So, B-side to In the Ghetto. Um, A song that fits this album, I think, more than the other, than the A-side, but... uh, still feels kind of out of place yeah what what are your just kind of your initial thoughts before we get too deep yeah no it's exactly what you just said in that between this and in the ghetto this is one that i think would have just been a an ad a minor ad to the album if they had just shoved it on there um this makes sense to me as a b-side there's not a whole lot again going on with it it's it's fairly light um that said i think that it holds a lot of lyrical goodies that we'll talk about here in a sec um that that foreshadow a lot of his work um but overall you could put it on the album you could leave it off the album i don't think it makes that big of a difference yeah yeah that that about sums it up for me yeah so this song starts right away uh with no preamble music and lyrics come in right away the moon is in the gutter and the stars wash down the sink you know so right away we have these uh, heavenly bodies. They're brought down to earth. Brought down to earth. And I think 
in their reflections in water in various ways. Yes. I am the king of the blues. I scrape the clay off my shoes and wade down the gutter in the moon. So here you have exactly that. Wading down the gutter. You know, he, he's wading through the reflection of the moon. Just kind of him, you know, he, he's making tracks. He's going somewhere. We don't know where just yet. You know, he's down. He's down. King of the blues. And he's cleaning himself off. He's been doing something somewhere that gets him gets him dirty. He's using a sink. He's probably washing his hands, and he's, he's scraping crap off his shoes. Clay, specifically. The moon blinds my eye with opal cataracts. You know, more of this night imagery, more of the heavenly bodies. Um, as I cut through the sawmills and the stacks, so, you know, ambling somewhere, making a... a potentially a return journey from somewhere as we'll see later somewhere industrial too i think this is good yeah. scene setting and then the you know the turn of phrase cut through uh, is great with sawmills oh yeah just kind of a fun little little fun bit of wordplay there Ooh, yeah that cuts through the sawmills he's leaping over gullies um and this is where we kind of get an idea of perhaps what's on his mind um he's leaping over the gully where you one day take lucy don't know who lucy is uh then wash up my hands in the gutter in the moon and you know clean his clean his hands in the gutter which is pretty gross but um this is where the song gets i think kind of nefarious Mm -hmm. uh as the rest of the album does but you know just launches straight into such a long way home just me and the moon is in the gutter and all his plans are flushed down the drain wandering lonely as a cloud over memories at her mound lie down in the bitter gutter moon he he finally passes out he doesn't make it to where he's going he's he's such a long way from where he's trying to get to um he's depressed his plans are done he's wandering around by himself and uh, he just kind of kind of takes it where he's at yeah andrew what what's this guy doing what's going on in this song well it's pretty it's pretty ambiguous. They don't give us a lot of information, so we basically kind of have to just use the little bit of clues that, that he's left there. I I think for me, sort of these celestial bodies, the stars, and the moon could symbolize a couple things, love, hope, mm-hmm. and we see it as this inverted uh, or subverted sort of reflection of you know hopes and memories and plans that have just kind of uh fallen down um because uh, he wants to be an astronaut yeah exactly and he <laughs> tried but the moon is in the sky and he was you know he was confused and tried to try to f- get in the gutter but yeah i i think um you know he he we also have a lot of industrial and work related sort of things you know he's scraping clay off his shoes you know he's been doing some work he cuts through sawmills and stacks you know images of of factories and places of work um washing up his hands you know at the same time there is talk of him one day taking lucy somewhere um you know he's found this gully seems like he he may be planning in verse two and maybe even in verse three has already done this he may be killing uh this lucy character yeah now that's one interpretation but it's not really borne out in the in the text so much you know you have memories at her mound so she's been buried was it from him 
it's not as clear as some other songs. But yeah, that's that's kind of those are the things that stand out to me. I don't know if it equals, you know, like I have an answer to the song or anything, but that's just kind of where my head goes. Uh, how about you? Yeah. No, and I I think you'd be hard pressed not to go there, um, especially given the way the music takes a turn um, between verses two and verses three. Mm. It gets very very ominous. The the piano comes in and hits hits some very spooky notes yes. um, after he starts talking about Lucy and um, it's it's again that one of those what I feel is a moment of clarity in his songs expressed through music like when you know coming above deck and cabin fever yeah um the young man breaking away and in, in the ghetto um this feels like you know he's finally breaking through I think he's drunk in this song you know the constant references to the gutter and finally passing out I think <laughs> that you know the, he's trying to drown something um and it feels like a moment of clarity where you know as we've seen before the character, meets briefly with what it is he's struggling with beyond the self-delusion beyond kind of pushing it down and moving on um and we hear this piano come in and then it goes right back into this kind of like melancholy and i'm gonna pass out um and so that i think really supports the idea that lucy as you said is either dead or will be dead and just mechanically when i'm looking through this Verse three, you know, I wander lonely as a cloud over memories of her mound. Um, that feels like she is dead and that he's going to move the body at some point and throw it down a gully. Um, but he hasn't yet. And so mm. to me, that feels like, you know, she's buried somewhere, probably not in the greatest way. Um, but then at some point he's going to he's going to take the body and throw it away and um, be done with it. But, you know, there was in whatever it was he did in that in that murder, there's um, a loss of loss of a future loss of hope and you know he's he's unable to reconcile with himself that that loss yeah that's a good point and 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 i was reading um you know verse two as as you know before verse three you know where i would one day take lucy like he hasn't um if he does indeed murder her that he was planning it and then in verse three he's done it but i really like your reading of yeah maybe it's you know yeah maybe he's just planning to move her um yeah that's great uh great secondary kind of reading of that getting kind of finicky with it i always hate getting into like the and you know it's like this because you know step one is over here and step two is over here but (laughs) i don't know it it feels like that might it might be the case well and i mean there's Um, so little here you know in this song and in in the ghetto that you know you kind of want to get nitpicky with it if you want to glean anything from a song that is you know sort of ambiguous or, or even comparatively not saying that much yeah yep i do want to offer up one other reading and this comes from i'm fuck am i gonna uh it it comes from a little bit of research about this song it was a there was a french movie that came out about a year before this song was released in 83 called the moon in the gutter and it's about a man who is looking desperately to find out who killed his sister and avenge that death. But he's a drunk and he he struggles with his demons and watching the trailer, um, having seen many French art house films, the, the way that this song kind of sets a scene to me of a, of a, you know, shadowed diorama um, background illuminated only by the moon with this character walking through it feels very French art house to me. I I'm wondering, and I have, zero zero of any 
sort of knowledge or, or information to base this off of. I'm just wondering if that had any influence on this. And it's the one thing that kind of pulls it away from that, that meta narrative of, uh, you know, I've killed someone and now I feel bad about it or I've killed someone because I'm crazy that this album kind of goes to. Um, I'm wondering if this is more of a, you know, he's in despair because his hopes and dreams are dashed because of some other event that killed this person, Lucy, whether it be a lover or a relative. And, you know, he's struggling to try and figure out what to do about that. Um, it's just interesting that the, these things happened in such close um close quarters i know that cave was you know big on on the europe scene and very much in the scene that would have been into french art house at the time um and so i'm, I'm just spitballing here but another interpretation could be that this man is simply overcome by grief for some act outside of himself uh rather than just straight up murder nothing to base it off of but yeah that's yeah. a great point too because i mean we we have a sort of negative view of a lot of his narrators and they're often unreliable of so far but no you're right i think the idea of the moon being in the gutter stars in the sink those things that we've talked about as these symbols of you know hope kind of being dashed or plans failing you know that's you know could be result of a breakup or a death uh, as well i mean that 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 seems like a very natural way to frame it i think there are some weird <laughs> turns you know Memories yeah. at her mound where I would one day take Lucy that that offers sort of multiple takes. But um, I think that's a good angle to look at this through as well. It's yeah. very magnanimous no, of us to uh, <laughs> treat one of Cave's narrators that way. With the benefit of the doubt, just trying to throw it out there. Um, one la I mean, one last thing on this song when it comes to the actual meaning of the lyrics. Yes. Um, I do like the turn the the looking at the moon versus looking at the reflection of the moon um i do like the idea that the moon representing hope future plans all this stuff whatever he did whatever happened um the song is very clearly saying that he can't bear to look directly at these things that he had hoped for these celestial bodies that represent all these things to man mm. um without being blinded and so what he's stuck with is looking at pale reflections of them uh, in the gutter and you know trudging through them not necessarily embracing them or, or looking up to them with hope and and you know joy in his heart uh but having to push through them look at pale reflections and ultimately pass out in them um as they as they flow down gutter holes and sinks and so that that's another interesting piece here um but overall the song i don't know it's another one that's light ones like we've been saying it's there's there's not a whole lot here but that that is all that stuck out to me too you had another reading of this song yes and so i i don't even know if i call this a reading but looking through the song one of the things that struck me as unique about this and you know there, there's references everywhere to his other work in you know this whole album and in most of his songs there's there's tiebacks to other things this song especially though is just chock full of reused uh phrases concepts symbolism imagery and it's it's startlingly so that like almost every other line has something that you can tie directly to a future work of caves or something else that he's done um and so just kind of running through those the moon and the star imagery you're going to see that so much throughout his discography it happens over and over and over again um you also get reference to the king of the blues you know that's that's his elvis um and perhaps black crow king coming up uh, the sawmills and the stacks, 
most famous song, Red Right Hand, um, another another example of moving through the sawmills and the stacks, that industrial setting. Moon Cataracts, Blind Lemon Jefferson, you're going to see that coming up here uh, on The Firstborn is Dead. Um, Lucy, of course, the reference to Lucy is coming up on the track Lucy on The Good Son. Um, Lonely as a Cloud, it's a Wordsworth reference, and you're going to see that again in Darker with the Day um, from No More Shall We Part. And then finally, it's kind of a stretch, but, you know, flushing down the drain, the stars go flushing down the drain. Um, you're going to see that again at Easy Money when you're flushing the money down the drain um, off of uh, Lyra of Orpheus. And so this song, if, if nothing else, you know, the, the story isn't a huge hitter, especially on, a, on an album that is so chock full of these grimdark tales that are that are fully realized. There's not a whole lot to go off of here. If nothing else, uh, he phones in a lot of this, a lot of this theming and imagery and lyricism that you're going to see over and over and over again throughout the albums which i think is really cool i think that that provides a lot of value for this song makes it really kind of a perfect b-side as well yeah definitely i mean it's it's those details are really nice and and fun as as a fan to to dissect um just in terms of this song and where it stands in the discography i would say it's it's a little uh it, lyrically it's a little weak um, compared to some of the stuff surrounding it. And it feels a lot like there's there's a little bit of well of misery in it. You know, maybe he's burying someone he's killed that was close to him, potentially. There's that. Um, it's a very in- environmental song as well, um, like that one. Yeah. Um, definitely the red right hand thing where he's on the move. Yep. You know, take a little walk to the edge of town, all that stuff. And then you've got kind of a, you know, maybe where the wild roses grow, you know, a gully where you'd take Lucy, you know, who who knows, but there's a lot of stuff to come and stuff before that's kind of in this song that I think is all done better. Um, But this is him just kind of trying to figure it out. And, and it's, it's a good one. I, I like this song um, a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah. No. And these other songs do do it better. Um, Similar, similar setting and imagery. I think we'll we'll see in the next episode in Saint Huck. Um, I think does the does the really evil <laughs> cityscape, industrial landscape illuminated by the moon a lot better. And then you know way down the road, Moonland. I think kind of strikes the same sort of um, tone in my mind of you know a landscape, a pretty desolate, lonely landscape um, illuminated by the moon is just way more rich, way more way more um, realized when it comes to the feelings that that character is having. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a cool exploration right out the gate. I, I as well do love this song quite a bit, um, even though I will say it's one of the lighter ones on the album. Yeah. Um, music, again, starts right away with no preamble, ends with little fanfare. It's just kind of, it's very short. It starts, does a thing, and it ends. Um, musically, it kind of feels to me um, like foreshadowing for the next album, um, which we won't talk about here, but uh, does kind of have a little bit more of a raw and bluesy feel. Yeah. Um, it's not this song is is one of the least atmospheric in terms of music, I would say, um, that we've heard so far. I mean, even in the ghetto, sort of has a little bit more going on. It's got that kind of ethereal feel. This feels very grounded. Yep. Uh, it's mostly bass and piano that kind of carry this one. Um, the drums and guitar are kind of sparse and just kind of there for a little color, which sort of is 
an inversion of uh, typical songwriting, which I think is cool. There's a cool little midsection uh, where everything kind of builds yeah. um, and then falls again uh, in time for the second go round. Yeah, that that part between two and three, I think I think it adds a lot, but it is kind of the one bit of color in the whole thing. Yeah, um, I love his high voice uh, when he says "cloud," uh, like he's almost howling yes. at the moon, like a cartoon wolf, or high as a cloud, lonely and floating around. Yeah, I think that just about sums it up, though. Um, again, these songs uh, were kind of breezy. So don't want to belabor them, but um, they're good. I uh, hope you're able to find them. Sean, what should they be listening to for next time? Yeah, so next time we got some heavy hitters in there. Uh, take a peek at the next two tracks off of the album, St. Huck and Wings Off Flies. Sean, where can they find us online? Well, you can tune into my OnlyFans, Nick the Stripper at OnlyFans.com. <laughs> um, you can find us. Sexy. Um, there are plenty of ways to get a hold of us. You can find us at Twitter, uh, at Today's Lesson Pod. You can find us on Patreon if you feel like giving a little bit of your expendable income over this way at patreon.com slash Today's Lesson. You can email us if you're old school like that, Today's Lesson Pod at gmail.com. And wherever you are listening to this podcast, please remember, rate and review five stars only. That's right. Five stars only. Um until next time. <laughs> this is Andrew. And I'm Sean. And you've been <laughs> and this listening. Been... <laughs> I'll say it at the same time. To Dude. today's lesson. <laughs> today's uh, lesson. Nick Cave and Nick the Cave Bad Seeds. Pod- what? Podcast. <laughs> no. Cut. Cue the music. Yeah.